TEPA Omnibus contains new regulations about breach notification. Previously, decisions to report breaches were based on the so-called harm standard, which looked at whether an incident would cause financial, reputational, or other harm to an individual. However, now, under the HEPA Omnibus rule, organizations are to use a more objective standard based on assessing four factors to determine whether a breach should be reported. HEPA Omnibus also for the first time holds business associates directly liable for HEPA compliance, including being held accountable for breaches. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Attorney Ellen Giblin, Privacy Counsel at the Ashcroft Law Firm in Boston. Ellen will explain what the HEPA Omnibus breach notification rule means for covered entities and business associates, especially as we approach the September 23rd enforcement deadline for HEPA Omnibus. Hi, Ellen. Hi, how are you today? Good. As we get closer to the September 23rd enforcement deadline for HEPA Omnibus, what are the most critical steps that covered entities and business associate organizations should be taking to make sure they're ready for breach notification under the new rule? So for my clients and those who I speak to about this topic, what I always recommend is to start off with increased awareness and training. So under increased awareness, what I would recommend would be to roll out introduction to what the changes are under the new rule, and it is going to require of each group within your organization to adapt to the changes. So, for example, your policies and procedures should be reviewed, and you should update these policies and procedures to enable the team to detect and escalate uh, potential breaches to the incident response team. And then you'd also want to recreate your risk assessment under the, the new rule that's going to require the examination of the four factors. And whether or not your organization has trained risk managers, you would probably either want to bring somebody in to review how a risk assessment is conducted for your team on these new four factors of whether PHI was compromised and see if if that's sufficient or you may definitely need to seek legal assistance in coming up with what the requirements are for conducting the risk assessment to determine the probability that PHI has been compromised. So you would continue through the process of providing supporting documentation and letting everyone know what they need to provide when an incident is reported. So you're probably going to be revising your reporting templates and getting and collecting more information around the facts of exactly what happened. So you'll be looking to see what types of identifiers and the likelihood of whether information could be re-identified. You'd, you'd have to introduce the concept of perhaps to your organization what the term identifiers means, like what are the elements of PHI that were compromised. And you'd also have to take a look at who the person was that actually was exposed to the protected health information or who the disclosure was made to because that's a new type of analysis on who is an unauthorized person. And, you know, a lot of organizations don't have role-based access management training already in place. So it might not seem as though anyone who works in the company is unauthorized, but in fact, it is 
true, especially in the business associate arena, that not everyone is authorized to CPHI. So I would also be looking at creating a risk assessment of whether the protected health information was actually acquired or viewed. And that takes a little bit of training around, was this something that was misdelivered? Is paper still a, a big issue in this area? Many of the breaches are due to a lost paper, stolen paper documents containing PHI. So whether protected health information was actually acquired or viewed, you'd probably want to go over some examples with your workforce of what that actually means. So when they go to report an incident up to your central notification group, legal compliance and information security, they have all the facts in there so that each incident doesn't have to be investigated to memory's phase. So, and then I think you also have to be able to introduce the concept of mitigation. What did we do to lower the risk to the protected health information from it being used inappropriately or seen inappropriately by someone? So, sometimes there's things that we do to head off an issue. We may implement a request that someone who viewed information inadvertently under an inadvertent disclosure to sign a affidavit so that we can document, as I said earlier, the issue and show that there, the risk is much lower because you have a document that somebody signed swearing that you know they did not see more than one or two things, maybe just name and address. So I would say that's a good strategy. So once you update your policies and procedures, then I think that you would want to go into incident response testing. And this is a great exercise. You can do it as a tabletop exercise just around a, a table, or you can do entire exercise with your with your organization where you you run an actual incident and see how everyone responds, see whether they provide the appropriate documentation, see whether they conduct the right analysis, and see whether everything was documented correctly and saved correctly for the file. And then I think for the last part, I think that you would really want to take a good close look at whether your team that's working the incidents feels comfortable with the actual risk assessment and whether they feel that they're able to rate the four factors, whether it's high, low, or medium risk, that this is going to be a reportable and notifiable event. I think that if you do all of these things, then you're supporting and meeting your obligations to show that you have a program in place that's adequately catching and reporting and notifying incidents. Who should be involved in breach assessments at covered entity and business associate organizations? I would say that, of course, the chief privacy officer would be involved as the oversight for the whole incident process of reporting HIPAA incidents. However, I do think it's important to include your general counsel. Make sure that they're in the loop of how incidents are being reported and how many incidents are being reported. And I think that you do have to also take a a look at the chief compliance officer's role as well as the chief information security officer's role. And the important part about some of the incidents is that they may involve information security that's electronic, but they also may involve physical security, and they also may involve your subcontractors. We call these the third-party vendors or the subcontractors. So maybe the delivery folks that are delivering PHI for you, and a lot of times that's where it gets lost and inadvertently disclosed. So unfortunately, 
paper incidents are still a major driver in this area for data breaches and reportable events and notification being required. So it's not always the, you know, we think it, it's always going to be maybe something more like a cyber hack or it could be something like a system uh, access issue with an employee, but it's there's still a lot of very, very prevalent hard copy breaches that are out there. So HIPAA is very important, and these rules and the notification requirements are very important because only a few states are still requiring paper breaches to be reported. Do you think the new breach notification standard of HIPAA omnibus will result in more or fewer incidents having to be assessed and reported, and why? I think that there's a lot more room for under the risk assessment when it comes down to an individual weighing all the different factors, the four factors. I think, again, it's going to require training uh, and awareness on the identifiers to see what information was compromised and whether that information, say it had been de-identified, whether it can be re-identified. So I think that there's some room there for, for improvement. And also, I think there's going to be some education and awareness and training around the unauthorized person who used the protected health information or to whom the disclosure was made. I mean, you're asking people to pretty much give a risk assessment of who is a trusted individual within an organization or maybe who that visits an organization. So I think that's important. And then I think also that whether the information was actually acquired or viewed, uh, I could see a lot of people hedging on whether it was actually acquired or viewed. You're going to have to definitely document went into that, that assessment. And then the mitigation. If you feel that you've got mitigation efforts that really locked up what happened and you're able to you know, close things out with an affidavit that unsecured protected health information was not compromised, then I think that you would be also looking at such things as whether it was encrypted or not. So if it's encrypted, you, again, would be conducting a, a further analysis using the guidance provided by the, the um, secretary so of HHS. So I, I would think that there's, there's a lot of steps here that would allow, during this risk assessment, some of the incidents to be determined to be not notifiable events. Do you have any particular tips about breach notification for business associates that weren't directly liable for HIPAA compliance in the past? I think that business associates, especially those that you may not have had in the past, definitely need to come up to date with what their responsibilities are under the law, and there will be a lot of training and a lot of awareness at business associates. However, in the past, they have been contractually obligated to report and provide notification to their covered entity. So I think that the expectation is is that the business associates have been given a long time to get to the point where they can actually step up and participate actively in this process. But I think that what the business associates are going to have to do is to really look at their subcontractors and bring their systems and processes into compliance with HIPAA privacy and security requirements. And I think that they're going, the BAs themselves are going to have to go back behind them and look to make sure that the contracts with the subcontractors reflect all the HIPAA requirements.
business associates definitely must specify compliance with the breach notification rule in their contracts now. And I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of liability issues. Business associates are going to be expected to be in compliance and they're going to be investigated as well. What should organizations be telling their workforces about breach reporting and breach prevention right now in preparation of the September 23rd enforcement date? I think that it's pretty clear that the workforce will need to be trained, will need to be given further information on reporting and what's required, what they're to look for, because it's in the moment when someone sees something happening that they can take steps, stay under the the risk assessment, if they're really well trained on the risk assessment, then they can start actively mitigating while an incident is occurring. So I think that this is a great opportunity to use a risk-based approach for minimizing and mitigating some incidents real time. So I think that, you know, while these things are, are happening, we can get a better handle on closing them up and bring the liability down for the covered entity. So I would say training awareness, and a full understanding of what the protocol is once a breach is occurring. Any advice for how organizations should prepare to deal with Department of Health and Human Services when breaches are reported and then investigated by HHS? Yes. My basic advice is to engage legal counsel at that point because you want the attorney-client privilege to be around all the communications regarding any investigation by HHS. I think that it's also really important that a log of the incidents over 500 and under 500 individuals being involved is really important for an attorney who works with your group to view. And I think they should have a good understanding of, of what your picture is, what your compliance heat map is for breaches in your organization. So covered entity and a business associate should have in place a legal counsel that they can call and say, is this a breach? Because so many times, again, while something is missing, if there's a recommendation of how it can be retrieved or some advice and guidance can be given by legal counsel on how to close the incident better, then I think the covered entity would only benefit from the attorney's advice and guidance and from the attorney-client privilege being around those communications. Thanks, Ellen. I've been speaking with Ellen Giblin of the Ashcroft Law Firm. I'm Marianne Kobasek-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.